Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, Matt Koplick. And I am one of your other hosts, John Muscavage. Um, I'm so terribly sorry, everybody. Uh, technology is really awful, and John and I had a lovely minute and a half where we managed to go into uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We got into Elijah, the Eliza bit in Hamilton. Was a song? There was a faith spiritual song you were talking about. <laughs> you just tried to recap to these people, to, you know, thinking in, in a way of, oh, they'll get it if I just kind of talk about it, but they yeah, aren't going to get it at exactly. all. Exactly. These are but all so, buzzwords. So I know. You, you, you were just kind of like, you were throwing out random words. You were, you were like, Hamilton, banana, gay pride. Um, no, um, uh, yeah, I, I realized because he had said Elijah, which is the same uh, intervals as Eliza in a little show called Hamilton. And um, I realized that it might be based off of a spiritual we used to sing called Elijah Rock in high school. That was like, Elijah Rock, shout, shout, Elijah Rock coming up. And the sopranos go, Elijah. And like, it was, I mean, those were three different keys. But I also, so fun fact, um, Today is the first day that I've had coffee in the last four weeks, and I can feel every single one of my atoms vibrating. Um, <laughs> A-T-O-M-S. A-T-O-M-S. Yeah, I spelled it right. Um, <laughs> so, this is the morning we're having, everybody. So John I'm, doesn't know how to spell atoms, and I'm recapping buzzwords from a long-lost episode. So, yeah, so, so here I, we go. So I feel like um, I'm going to be in rare form today, and I'm also just so delighted to be back and using my NPR voice. That I don't. I. I don't think I will be speaking in any other way. No, not at all. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to Broadway Breakdown. Mm, yeah. Your butthole is very loose. This is to say, um, <laughs> so, oh my god. So we haven't recorded in a little bit. John was out of town and then uh, went off social media mm-hmm. and off coffee. So basically, was like dead to me. Yeah. Um, I, I really yeah. did leave, uh, lead a dead life the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I mean, you've never looked skinnier. Thank you. I do feel I skeletal. Assume. <laughs> I, f- I feel like you look skeletal. I don't know right now. So we're so <laughs> I'm bringing this up because John and I, 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 I confirm with John that we're going to record today. And then he texts me this morning and goes, so are we recording at the usual spot? And I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> I thought we were going to Skype because I'm like used to us Skyping and I just assumed he was still out of town. He did not no, want to no. see my face, ladies and gentlemen. He no. he had the opportunity and he said, no, ma'am, Pam. He said, I don't want to see no, that. No, ma'am, Pam. I don't want to see no, that. Not, I don't want to see not, that. No, I don't want to see that. Um, anybody? Valerie Cherish? Um, I know. I so, know people who will get that one. Yeah. There's like three people. It's fine. <laughs> but but and that the, that's our core audience. That's who we're doing this for. Uh the point is John has been in town for a while and I did not know and that this is the danger of social media is that I because John wasn't posting anything, I had no idea really what it, what he was up to. And I'm a terrible friend who doesn't just like text every day going like, "Yo, what you up to, girl?" 
Yeah, I'm like all, that's not what I do. Like I've always wanted to know what it would be like. I, I think that one of the things that I'm so sad about dying the most <laughs> is that when I die, one, I won't be able to go to my funeral and hear everything that people say about me. I really, mm-hmm. I really want to experience that. I really, I really, because I actually kind of like try to lead my life in a way of like that I try to say things so that if I ever pass or anything like that, and this is getting really morbid real quick, but that the people could look back and be and not have a doubt of how I felt about them or that I really loved them or I really cherished them. I cherished our friendship, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Just because I, I think that's really important with the kind of relationships that we build in our lives. But I, and from such an egotistical point of view, I'm so pissed that when I die, I'm not going to be able to hear all the people just being really sad about my death. But I realized by going off of social media for four months that the, the thing is when you die or as if you go off social media for four months, is that people forget about you real quick. <laughs> you don't <laughs> exist. You don't exist. You get, well, you get I erased. <laughs> so I know what it's like to die, everyone. <laughs> and I'm back from the he grave. He really does. And I'm pissed at all of you. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's carry to the rage. Yes. I'm giving oh you, my God. I'm giving you Voldemort of what you want. Speaking of, I'm about to, like, I'm almost halfway through the seventh book of Harry Potter. What I've mainly been doing this month is binge reading Harry Potter since it's taken me over a year to read it because I was <laughs> reading the book so slowly. And then the last, like, three weeks, I've just been like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Getting him out. Because he hasn't been social media-ing. Yeah. I've, I've, done, I've been really productive without social media-ing. And even though today, my first day back... I've posted a little bit. I feel so much better about not feeling the need to check how many likes I'm getting, how many... Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely feel a break in the um, addiction aspect of social media, and I love that. Yeah. I really would recommend yeah. that to people because there were so many times before I gave it up where I literally would scroll for an hour and a half just refreshing, sitting on a couch, waiting for something to happen, waiting mm. for, you know, just to... to, to that buzz that I'm hearing. Would you, I'm, would I'm, you I'm gonna say hit, you were... I'm going to hit my veins with those two fingers like drug addicts do into the microphone. Hold on. Okay. So that's what I was like. I was just waiting for my next fix. And now... Were I, you... John, were you saying you were waiting for likes to begin? Oh, God. Jimmy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow caller. You're the top. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll. And listen, I'm also filled up with TV finale realness because this morning I watched the season <laughs> finale of Younger. <laughs> Wait, last night hold I watched, on, hold what? on, hold on. Say that word again. Say F-I-N-A-L-E. Finale. F-I-N-A-L-E. Finale? Yeah. It sounded like you were saying finale the first couple times. I I, I had no finale idea what you love were it. saying. Yeah, that's what I... I it sound, you, you, you said, I have finale fever. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I was, yeah, I just bitch. thought sounds like something you get from eating yeah, li- bad calamari or something. I don't know. Right. Liza Finelli. Um, <laughs> uh, no, TV Ew. finales, season finales. Um, yes, this morning I watched the season finale of Younger, Thank you. and Sutton Foster remains a national treasure. And last night, my roommate and I watched the series finale of Sharp Objects, oh. uh, which I'm assuming John watched because he kind of likes it a little bit or liked it a little bit. I don't know how he feels now that it's over. I mean, I texted you as soon as I finished watching the finale because I <laughs> literally been, did. I'd been predicting this whole summer my different thoughts. And I, I don't. I think I did a couple times online, but mainly what we were doing was every time an episode would air, I would then text Matt afterwards and go, this is who I think the killer is. This is who I think the killer is. Kind of in a way, each mm-hmm. episode ensuring that I um, pointed the finger at least once at every possible suspect so that when the yeah. finale aired, I could go, haha, I was right because I pointed my finger at like 12 of the 13 characters. <laughs> he literally texted me the very first time about this and he's like, you don't actually have to respond. I just, I need the receipts for later. Yeah. I was like, great. Glad to know where I stand. Yeah, I, I just used him um, like a like a dirty whore and um i it's gonna go on my tombstone so i'm not gonna i'm not going to spoil for everyone who the the killer or who's the killer is by the time by the time this airs on friday it'll have been almost a week since the finale so i i personally say have at um if you don't want the finale of sharp objects spoiled Skip ahead to, yeah. I'm going to just assume, 30 minutes later into this episode. Um, Skip ahead about 78 minutes, yeah. 
Sounds yeah, cool. so it, yeah, I don't think we'll talk about that long. Um, but I, I, I mentioned before I read the book, so I did know who the killer was, and I knew that there was sort of a fake out before the actual ending. Yeah, um, and and I liked the fake out a lot. Yeah, um, I thought that the show did a really, really good job in the finale, leading up to. Uh, really making you believe so okay let's just oh. let's just let's just let's just say it outright because yeah. we've so established skip ahead right spoil now it until, yeah it's about to get skip ahead right now Emma, amy adams's younger sister 13 year old sister Played by eliza scanlon eliza scanlon who's british she's british, australian like she's australian and she's a new american treasure she is a national treasure she, she is. is amazing and i think I think she's about to play beth in the new little women movie that greta gerberg's directing yes yeah, um, yeah, yeah with meryl streep yeah, um, so I'm very excited about that. But, but so she plays Emma, Amy Adams' younger sister, and it turns out she's the one who kills the two girls that brings Amy Adams to the town. But uh, you find out in the episode prior that Amy Adams... So, like, one of the big childhood traumas for Amy Adams is that her younger sister died of some, like, unspecified illness, and the way that it sort of, like, affected her family, affected her negatively, blah, 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 and, like, created this downward spiral throughout the rest of her life. And you find out that her mother actually killed her younger sister due to a disease that her mother has, uh, which I don't know how to pronounce it's the first Munchausen's word. by proxy. Munchausen's by proxy, which is... Yeah. Uh, I thought Munchausen's syndrome by proxy. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, if you didn't know how to pronounce syndrome, if that was the word you were guessing about, <laughs> you need, <laughs> you need I mean, another cup yeah. of coffee, sweetie. <laughs> I, need three, I need three cups of coffee. Hunty. But uh, it's a disease where, in order to make yourself feel needed, you make... Uh, the people around you sick so you can take care of them yeah um and it is a real disease did you ever read about that that article about the girl who uh killed her mother because of it yes there, um, there's um i don't remember if it's a netflix series or something but you could watch um yeah you can watch a a video or a documentary about it and it's so oh god what is it called what is that? What is that documentary uh, called? Do you know what I'm I, talking about? I, I well, I just found out that there was a documentary about that story, but I'm the girl's name really was quickly. Gypsy. I want to say yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a true if story. If you've never seen it, go and watch it. Um, it's crazy. It is. Um, insane. It's a. <laughs> I mean, we're going off a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's about. It's a true story about this uh, girl who you know lives with her mother, and everybody who knew them. Uh, thought that the girl was like 11 maybe 12 and was like chronically ill with all these illnesses blah 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 and then sometime in uh later on they found the mother murdered and it turns out that the girl had met this boyfriend online and they conspired to kill her because the girl was actually like 23 and not even sick her mother was uh forcing her to go to doctors and get unnecessary surgeries and taking all these unnecessary medications yeah. and making her look ill. It's called Mommy Dead and Dearest. If you haven't watched it and, and if you like fucked up things, watch it. Um yeah, so so basically that like yeah, the the fake out of sharp objects is that you think that because the mother has been poisoning all of her daughters mm-hmm. in turn um that she must be the killer, but um, the very last moment, I mean, I guess kind of obviously it, it goes without saying that if you're listening to this, you either don't care and you haven't listened or watched it. So you just don't care. And so you're kind of lost and don't know exactly what's going on or you have watched it. In which it case still, know. in which case still fast forward five minutes. Yeah. But you, or you have watched it. And so I kind of want to, or, and, or you've read it. And so you know the twists already. Um, and mm-hmm. so I kind of want to talk about because you've read the books and watched yes. the series finale now. And I had mm-hmm. read a couple places because as soon as the series finale ended, um, which with one of the, I loved the ending so much. Um, yeah. With Amy Adams finding the teeth of the dead girl yeah. that her sister has obviously now killed, which yes. she had used to line the bottom. She used the fucker's teeth to create tiling for her dollhouse's bathroom, and Amy Adams yeah. finds it, or her mother's bedroom in the dollhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy Adams finds it, and Eliza Scanlon just has one of the most just deeply layered beat changes in the world where she sees mm-hmm. that she's caught she realizes that her sister realizes that she's the murderer and then she kind of smiles and just goes please don't tell mama or don't tell mama and don't just, tell mama yeah and then it just blackout and yeah i mean i had full body chills and so i had to look up right away if it if the book ends the same way um and so you know that it doesn't but then also the the yeah. series gives spoilers away not spoilers but it kind of it kind of caps 
along the series and like two 10 second clips that are brilliant work of cinematography, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about the book? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> so much to unload. Um, yeah. So like oh, the whole purpose of, we've been, we've, as we've been saying, like the uh, purpose of sharp objects is Amy Adams goes to her hometown to discover who murdered these two girls. These girls, teeth have been pulled out. Everybody thinks it's her mother, Patricia Clarkson, ends up being her youngest sister because she finds the teeth in the end. Um, in the book, mm-hmm. what happens is uh, once her mother gets arrested, she brings her younger sister, Ama, with her to live in, in the book at Chicago and the TV show at St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And she lives with her. And in the book, Ama, her younger sister, is really having a troubling time acclimating to life. She's violent. She's aggressive. And... Uh, Amy Adams' character in the book just sort of assumes it's because she misses her mother because it's like very Stockholm syndrome y. Like, yeah. even though her mo- she knows her mother's been poisoning her and her mother's a crazy woman, she still wants her mother because, like, at the end of the day, she's a 13 year old girl who's severely messed up. Oh, she's uh, 13 in the books? Yeah. She, and I think, I think she's supposed to be 13. I think they said she's like 15 in the. Okay. Yeah. She definitely. She's, yeah, she's supposed to be 13 in the book. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah, and there were times in the show where I felt like she could have passed for 13, 14, the way that they sort of dressed her up a little bit. Yeah. Um, especially with that Persephone headdress she was wearing. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, my scene. God. It was a great scene. Anyway, um, so in the book, uh, all this is happening, and uh, f- what happens is a girl that Emma becomes friends with at school uh goes missing one day, like doesn't show up for school the next day. And her body is found next to a dumpster, uh, propped up in the alleyway, the same way another girl in wind gap was propped up and half and six of her teeth are missing. Not all of her teeth, just six of her teeth. And Camille gets the note, gets the notification about it. And she's like, Oh shit. And immediately goes home. Uh, and I think confronts Am about it. And the reveal of the teeth from what I remember in the book, uh, they they fought and sort of the dollhouse topples over and the teeth come out. Uh, that's what I remember. Don't don't quote me on that, but that's what I remember. And then there's sort of an epilogue to that epilogue where Camille Camille has like another breakdown and she uh, yeah I, cuts I read herself that online again. somewhere as a difference yeah yeah because there's a whole theme in the book where how Amy Adams Camille uh, is a, used to be a cutter or and but she had one patch of skin on her back that was really difficult to get to and she always sort of preserved that one patch of skin uh, to show that she had some sort of control and when Alma gets arrested she like goes right into the bathroom and starts cutting that area oh, and yeah and then her editor and her and his wife sort of check her in again into a yeah. mental facility and they take care of her again uh, and there's also more closure to the murders in the book just because Camille visits Emma in prison and Emma explains how it all went down. Mm. Um, which in the series they do, uh, as John said, two 10 second, like really quick cuts, uh, montages and they are very, uh, loaded and you really kind of have to break it down to sort of see what happened. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, you get what is essentially like seven pages of text in the book in 20 seconds total in the, in the final credits. And it's brilliant filmmaking um just like really fast cuts to give you just enough of what you need and then like one final two final shots of ama that are just chilling um so (laughs) sorry i did a lot of backstory just there uh in the yeah so essentially what they imply is that ama uh these two girls who who were murdered had got had become friends of ama and then her mother took interest in the girls as well and sort of looked at them as little projects, which Emma didn't like because Emma's very territorial about her mother and the way her mother sort of takes care of her. Um, it was also implied in the books that uh, Adora, the mom, was going to poison the girls as well. And Emma sort of looked at that as her thing and that like the girls were going to uh, ruin everything by possibly exposing Adora if Adora did that. Um, yeah, I had read the, that somewhere when I was looking up differences between that, and I loved that as a as a thematic plot point because it really just kind of drives home the whole fucked upness of it all. But, yeah, yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed um, a lot of things about this series. Just kind of, it's, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't know if I would love binge watching it. 
I, I really enjoyed watching it episodically and yeah. each week and, and having the, the kind of cliffhanger endings that it loved to do. But the thing that I loved so much about it and as well is that it really just moved. It, it took its time. It took its GD time, you know? It, <laughs> it definitely it, did. It, a lot of the episodes, I, w- I would kind of sit there and I would just feel so uncomfortable because I, I would just feel like... It was everything was just being drawn out too long, and I would feel hotter than it would seem. Like I would be sitting in an air conditioned room, and it, I think they just really captured the idea of this town in the way that they told the story. You mm-hmm. just feel stuck in this tiny claustrophobic, too hot southern town where everything moves a little too slow, even yeah. though there are literal teenage girls being murdered. Um, yeah. Um, what I loved about the show was because. It's like it, it is what it essentially is, is it's, it's a memory piece in the framework of a crime story. Mm. Um, mm. Like the yeah. the catalyst for the show is who murdered these girls. But what eventually becomes is um, an in-depth analysis of what makes people turn into the damage that they are. Uh, yeah. And I just yeah. and I love the way that it played with memory, the way that the camera played with ghosts and. <sighs> memories it's like if they ever if they ever truly made a movie of follies i kind of would want it to like be filmed like that um creepy but i like that yeah well sort of like because it's it really does get how memories work where it's it's never one complete like five minute memory it's yeah it's it's flashes flashes. yeah it's flashes it's silence sometimes there's sound it's pieces and, and sometimes you know you walk past a specific place or a specific person and you remember something and you can see it right there um yeah and it's it's tangible. No, I lo- I I liked the book. I loved the show. I didn't always love the show. There were there were times when I was like I feel like it's going a little too slowly right now or I feel like this scene is a little too much, but the but you end- also binge-watched it, right? Like sort of. Yeah, I mean, I time. I averaged probably two episodes um per viewing. Um mm-hmm. I watched the first two episodes in one sitting and then the next two and then I think I did uh 3. But the last mm-hmm. two episodes I did we uh by a separated week so yeah like i do think if i did it week by week it would have been a little more easy to digest but um the overall effect of it i thought was really fantastic Mm, yeah i love that love that i mean Mm. if you haven't checked it out and you don't mind that we've just spoiled the whole plot for you go Mm. check it out and if you have checked it out hopefully you share our opinions but it doesn't matter because you're just listening to this podcast and we're the ones with the goddamn microphone These women, these young women who are just showing me and John up with their acting. Yeah, these young, pretty women. Pretty women. Pretty Segway. Pretty Um. Oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I guess we have to talk about it, don't we? Yeah. Well, yeah. I would like to sort of talk about Pretty Woman and go from there into... Uh, the New York Times in general, if that's okay with everybody. I mean, um, once again, we have the mics, they don't, so it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter what you think. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Um, did you read the Pretty Woman New York Times review, John? I didn't. I saw a couple clips of um, Pretty Woman, uh, some video clips, including some songs and some lyrics. And I listened to the songs and the lyrics, and I got quite... Um, I got quite a very quick, solid opinion of knowing what kind of reviews it was going to get. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. I didn't feel like I needed to read it. I also, in my social media-ness, um, there were days that I wouldn't check Playbill either. Mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of really stepped away from a lot of things that I check obsessively over the last couple weeks. Sure. So I, I actually just didn't even think, oh, I should... I didn't know what day it opened. This is me just admitting I know nothing. <laughs> Even more than I already admit it. This is, I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't rightfully say that I, like, had it pinned in my calendar when Pretty Woman was opening, but... It, like, Don't lie. Yes, you oh, did. Yes. I was so excited for Pro Woman musical that I had it pinned in my calendar. Uh, no, it's... Big mistake. <laughs> I've actually never seen the movie, but I know that reference. Yeah, everyone so. knows that reference. Uh, this... I, there are a couple of movies that are very popular in, you know, 
our culture and especially with the gay community that I don't love, but I like, I like, but don't love. And pretty woman's one of them. Uh, funny girls. Another where I'm like, can we all just acknowledge that they're both a little too long and boring? Um, but yeah, I mean, I love funny girl, but I agree. I remember the first time watching it. I was like, wow, yeah. this has been a fortnight. It has. <laughs> I mean, funny girl, I think is like a really entertaining first hour. Cause that's where the majority of the songs are. And then the second half you're mm. like, Oh God. Um, Pretty Woman's sort of the same, where it's, like, you have these, like, 10-minute segments that are just so much fun and, like, a cute little romantic comedy, and then these, like, five to t- other five to 10-minute segments that are just drawn out and boring. You don't care. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I'm just... I, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just... I've never seen it. I don't want to. It's, 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 a, it's a weird movie to watch now for the first time. You kind of have to take it as a... As a relic of its Please time. Please say period piece. <laughs> as a period piece. Um, is it, I mean, 1990. What a time to be alive. Uh, <laughs> you remember 1990, don't you, John? No, I wasn't born yet. I mean, n- <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. No one, Everyone's going to believe that, John. No, I wasn't. I was just barely you, a thought. I was a babe in the woods. Um, it's, it's just not a great movie. Is that where you think babies come from? <laughs> The woods, yeah, <laughs> babes come from the woods, right? You go, you go, you go into son, the woods, your and get I your baby, and they get son, out of the woods. That's what Into the Woods is about. That's where I learned about babies. Good, son. Your mother and I are gonna come home and bring you back another child from Yosemite National Park. Aren't you excited? <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. Yes, papa. <laughs> yes, oh, papa. Yes, papa. <laughs> Please select a girl this time, papa. There are too many boys in this household. Um, Please prepare. Um, okay. So yes, let's move so. along to like what we were actually going to say. Um, Pretty Woman opened everybody, and Broadway apparently wasn't super having it. Uh, I that's, can't. That's a turn of phrase for it. Yeah. I mean, I can't rightfully say the quality of the show. I haven't seen it yet. I did yes. watch. Yes. Their, Disclaimer, me neither. Yes. I, I did watch their two TV performances. One was the shopping scene that they turned into a song and then i guess like samantha barks just 11 o'clock like comes to jesus number uh the first song was called you're beautiful the second song was called i can't go back um and i just listening to the lyrics i was <sighs> who, who wrote it again i'm gonna look brian it up right now. adams i want to say maybe who is it's Wait, po- who? pop writers pop writers wrote it um oh I sorry sorry okay I'm good so while John looks that up I was telling John before we were recording uh something that makes me personally very angry is getting shamed for having negative opinions on theater uh specifically um I feel like people are a little more uh eager to be negative towards film and tv because it's more far removed and there's more money involved and people get well paid and it's you know you know, it's like a one and done. So people are allowing themselves to be more critical of movies, whereas theater, people look at it as a little more personal. Like, oh, they're up there every day. They're like earning their buck, yada, yada. Uh, if the show closes, people stop getting paid. Whereas opposed to the movie, the movie got made, everybody got paid. So nobody worries about it. So there's mm. this sort of stigma with Broadway where, especially in the theater community, where you're not really allowed to be negative about anything. Because everybody works really hard and everyone should just be grateful. And I'm sitting here going... A little bit like that's bullshit. Um, I mm. think theater is art and art is subjective and everybody has their tastes. Uh, and no opinion is necessarily fact. It's a feeling you have and then you try to justify it by analyzing what it is you liked or didn't like. Um, mm. And I think sometimes criticism can get really catty. Uh, like if you're, yes. you know, like yes. if you're judging somebody on their on their face or, or you know, their talent and just going like, oh, what a piece of crap they are as a human being they should kill themselves like yeah no that's not a critique but uh did you read what people wrote into my middle school uh yearbook that was like um, direct quotes whoa no i was reading uh what the doctor wrote about me on my birth certificate uh it was yeah it was it was a great march 27th the uh when they got when they got you from the woods from the doctor yeah they literally like bring him back uh act two of into the woods if i were the baby they'd be like bring it back to the woods um (laughs) So, uh, the reason I'm going into this is because if you read the New York Times review for Pretty Woman, it is really a vicious review, but 
Ben Brantley is very specific as to why he's so vicious about it. Um, like, he's not nasty for the sake of being nasty. He's He very much points out that he thinks Andy Carl and Samantha Box are incredibly talented. He mm-hmm. he says, like, Andy Carl is, like, a great talent. He was phenomenal in Groundhog Day. He says Samantha Barks is clearly very talented, very charismatic, uh, but points out more fault for the direction than the writers. He was like, it's so unfair for her to have to try to be Julia Roberts. Um, mm. Like, it's an iconic role. She's an iconic actress, and she's a very unique personality. She's not a unique talent, Julia Roberts. She's not a super versatile actress. But what made her so famous is, was that her herself her own being was so different at the time and no one should have to emulate somebody else for an original role you know like you should work from the ground up and the way that what ben brandley was basically saying was that samantha barks wasn't allowed to do that and that that was sort of uh the theme of the whole show was that nobody was allowed to try anything new it was let's put the movie on stage let's not change a whit of dialogue let's add really bland songs where it's not necessary and you know call it a new work and I think, yeah. and I'm honestly with him on that. Uh, I don't, I think we should be allowed to call out things like that when it's happening. Because if you give every new show a blue ribbon just because people worked on it, it's like, great. So then what's the point of ever creating something ever again if people aren't going to like really look into what you're doing and like figure out the craft you're doing? Or like, why why even strive to do better if everyone's just going to get a blue ribbon all the time? Um you know? Yeah, I, I do, I do know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that. I'm also going to play like a little bit of devil's advocate. Go for in it. Some ways, because we, because we've been talking about this a little bit. Because then there are, there's the flip side to where, um, people have said some really negative, nasty things in the past on social media and on their platforms about their opinions mm-hmm. of a show or something or of a performance. And the first thing that came to my mind was the Godspell actress, Morgan James, who a couple of years, I think, it, I think it was, was it the Into the Woods? It was Shakespeare Into the, in the Park. She went to the dress rehearsal, the final dress rehearsal of Shakespeare's, Shakespeare in the Park's Into the Woods, yeah, and posted on social media. Starring Twitter. Sharp Objects uh, star Amy Adams as the Baker's wife in that production. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and she, re- I mean, that, her opinion kind of then catapulted her into an area of, I don't want to work with this person because she's negative, she's bitchy, she's this, she's that. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting because there are, it's, we, we live in such a reactive culture because of social media. Mm-hmm. We've seen this so many times over and over again through, um, a great comet we've seen social media bring about the demise of um a show in that way mm-hmm. we, we we've seen it over and over again and so it's so interesting and i don't have the answer i don't know what the answer is because at the same time we're taught that we have to think for ourselves that we have to stand by our opinions that we have to feel what we want to feel but then sometimes if you express them and here's the thing not everyone's going to like what you're going to say that person takes we, we have an awful habit of a society of taking someone else's opinion, which is all that it is, someone's opinion, and taking it as a personal attack if you don't agree with that person's opinion. And I honestly think it's dangerous in a lot of ways, but I am i don't understand it enough. I, okay, this is a big tangent, but I swear it's kind of related. I've been listening the last couple of weeks to a lot of different comedians, and I, f- I found this one British comedian. Her name is Sarah Pascoe, and she... Um, did this four-part radio series on a BBC radio network called uh, The Modern Monkey. And she basically covers four aspects of our society. Uh, The first episode is on murder. Second episode is on jealousy. The third episode is on um, territory. And the fourth episode is on charity. And so she kind of discusses all of these concepts and, and where they derive from in our human nature how we deal with them now and kind of where it comes from of an, of an evolutionary standpoint of like a point of view. And it's just very interesting because I've also still been reading that sapiens book, which is a history of humankind um, and kind of explaining why we got to where we are. And one of the things that she brings up a lot is social media and especially in the jealousy episode, she kind of explains that feeling that I'm sure all of us understand where you see someone post on social media I'm so excited to finally announce the ink's finally dry, cat's out of the bag. And they, the, you know, these people are sharing their excitement for um, a big life event for themselves. And yet 
a lot of times we feel very happy for them, but there's also those times when we feel super jealous. And I don't. I think we'd be doing a great disservice to ourselves as humans if we don't admit, like I'm going to admit so many times, that as many times as I mock people saying those things, there's a part of me that, I, this deep, dark part of me that goes, oh my gosh, they're getting their Broadway debut and I haven't had my Broadway debut. I must be nothing. They must be better than me. I am jealous of them. And it's, and she kind of goes and explains that we are living in a world where our emotional evolutional journey has not caught up to where we should be because it's taken tens of thousands of years for us to get to this point. And then suddenly in the last hundred years, let alone in the last decade, we've had a huge technological um, just shooting like straight up into the sky, um, just in like trajectory that evolutionary wise, our emotions and our brains cannot handle all of this overstimulation of other people's opinions because tribes used to be human tribes for some reason up until the evolutionary or the agricultural evolution um we used to live in tribes of like 150 or less because that was all our brains could handle stimulation from when there were more than 150 people that's when chaos broke out and so it's just interesting to look at all the chaos all these negative feelings all these negative outcomes that are happening because of social media because of this huge influx of so many opinions constantly being thrown at our eyes um that yeah i mean it it just kind of to me it makes sense as to why we're all kind of bewildered and feeling our way in the dark because we literally don't know how to catch up with it um, and so I would also recommend, along with Reading Sapiens, on YouTube, you could find this Modern Monkey uh, radio series. They're only like half an hour each, but they're just so interesting. And she basically explains why we feel so many awful things that we feel. And then she explains some amazing things that we feel, like charity, like, you know, empathy, at, at, uh, being a human race that's heading more towards empathy now. Um, but it, it's super interesting. And so I just, I think it's all kind of connected to the fact that w- what you were saying, you know, we, we don't know anymore. A lot of times you get berated, you get a slap on the hand for sharing a negative opinion because it hurts someone. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it, it's very rare that anyone's opinion is completely without bloods bloodshed, for lack of a better term. Like, no matter yeah. what, your opinion and the millions of people that live in this world, it's going to offend at least one person. It's just whether your opinion is going to offend more than, you know, X amount of people or less than X amount of people. And it's just very interesting. That being said, I don't think that we should just go around being like, fuck you, you're ugly. Fuck, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. Like, fuck you, that, that shows a piece of shit. You know, like, I, I think there's a constructive way to do a lot of these things. But I, you know, I, I agree. Like, I, I think it, I think it's interesting because in some ways we're not allowed to have opinions anymore. No. But even well, that is having an opinion, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, so what I was going to say was um, I don't want to, like, trash internet or social media in a ton because there's a lot of good to it like i've, is I've there? <laughs> i mean there is i think i've had i've been able to communicate with a lot of other with a lot of people i know i would, would never have uh if it, yeah exactly uh who well just people like who love theater people who want to like i like get sometimes i uh, get people ask me about my opinion for theater via internet and social media and that's very dangerous because like that can give people a sort of sense of uh entitlement of uh oh there are people out there who desperately want to know my opinion and so i'm gonna be an authority figure on this um mm-hmm. yeah what i don't like about social media in terms of twitter and the same thing with the morgan james thing is that because with social media we really only can absorb little nuggets we can't really absorb mm-hmm. full-on things so for something like a tweet you can't really go in depth on an opinion on Twitter if you're gonna, you know, like or not like a show or say how you feel about an actor or actress. It's gonna be like two sentences tops, and you just right. can't word it well enough to make people understand where you're coming from. And so that that is when it becomes if it's negative, it's gonna be snippy and and catty. It's gonna be like gross, this thing or yay, this thing, and that's just not great. Um, the Morgan James yeah. thing was that. Plus, it was the fact that she tweeted it after a dress rehearsal that that everyone was like, give mm. them a minute to, like, right. find their footing. Right. I mean, in the end, she ended up being right not to drag the actors, but that production was just very... Uh, the director basically was like, I have a million ideas and none of them have to do with Into the Woods and just threw it on a stage. But... Yeah. Um, and, like, but what I just said, like, that last sentence I just said was longer than what Morgan James wrote on Twitter. 
mm-hmm. like she wrote four words that were just very nasty and everybody was like that's like you're in the community don't don't be don't like drag people so early in their process uh you yeah. know what this is like but that also is uh a good point is a good point of reference to make that i think sort of shows a lot of um hypocrisy in the theater community because i see actors post all the time about like why are we why are reviewers necessary anymore they're just always so outwardly negative no one understands what it is that we do and i'm like okay yes and no like we like it is a wonderful thing to be able to get to do what you love and and it is devastating to work hard on something and then Mm -hmm. to find people not liking it i've been a part of that myself oh my gosh Uh, yeah same all the time i mean i've I've literally had every single kind of creative process you can think of where it goes like something that you think is going to be amazing and everybody fucking hates it something you think is going to be a disaster and then people end up loving it uh and then and then also where you're doing something and you know it's going to be terrible and everyone thinks it's terrible and you do something you love and everybody loves it and like it's yeah it's a mixed bag um but it It comes with it does come with the territory you do sign up for this kind of life that requires you know uh, you know, opinions from everybody. Like, it's not like you're a, like you build, you build a bridge. The bridge stays up. Everyone can rightfully say you did a good job with this bridge. It does its purpose. It, it, it stays up and it holds the people who are traveling mm-hmm. Um, with a show, with a book, with a play, whatever. Uh, As you said, like there are going to be people who don't like it, people who, who do. And you kind of just have to have thick enough skin to accept that. Yeah. Um, where I get actually upset, though, is when I don't think people truly worked hard on it. And it mm. sort of just became a cash grab. And that is where Broadway is sort of at a fork in the road. We've oh, had, completely. We've been very spoiled the last three years where we had some really phenomenal shows um, that took wild chances. Some with really well-known material, some with original ideas, some lesser-known material. Uh, I mean, like in the last three years alone, we've had Fun Home, Hamilton. Uh, yeah. We've had Dear Evan Hansen and Great Comet. And then this just coming season, we have a lot of movies being turned into musicals and not even in a creative kind of way. Um, <laughs> like what I'll always give Groundhog Day, and I think everyone needs to at least acknowledge about Groundhog Day. I loved it. We all know I loved it. And I know a lot of people who didn't love it. They did not. They were not content with just putting the movie on stage verbatim. Mm-hmm. They very much decided they wanted to figure out how to make it into a musical um, and their own form of a musical. What Pretty Woman, from what I'm reading and from what I'm seeing, is people going the the I don't know how much is the creative staff, how much of it is the producers going. This is a well known property. We we want this to run as long as possible. Give the audience what they know and yeah. don't worry about anything else. And that makes me fucking angry. Uh, yeah. And including writers who've ha- and and the with the exception of Jerry Mitchell, the majority of that creative team are people who don't do theater. Like the book writer, the the songwriters have never done theater before. Right. Um, and like sometimes you get some really great works from people who try new things for theater. Um, Duncan Sheik. Duncan Sheik, exactly. Um, Bert Bacharach did a great score for Promises. Oh yeah. Promises. Yeah, yeah. Tina Fey, despite how I feel about Mean Girls, I do think tried her best to make a musical libretto and i there is a there is a kind of craft and a kind of knowledge that has to come from musical theater writing specifically because theater is its own is its own beast but a musical is a weird weird kind of thing to write because you have to really figure out how to make a project sing and dance and flow um yeah and to just like and I, I think people love the idea of, oh, this is so-and-so's first musical theater score, and it's going to be cool, and it's, oh, so-and-so's first libretto. It's like, yeah, I'm all excited about that, but they, I don't know. I feel like it's not something you can just fall into. You really kind of have to know what to do. Well, right. Um, I mean, even, even like comparing Legally Blonde and Pretty Women, if you do that for a second. I mean, yeah. I, you look at the people who wrote each product, and we have Larry O'Keefe, who is a celebrated theater writer, who has obviously studied the craft, who has honed his craft, who has knows how to seamlessly kind of integrate lyrics that are smart, witty, of the character's mindset, something that the character would say, but that also serve a lyrical purpose and drive the plot. Um, and then you have someone, you know... Like Brian Adams, who I'm not super familiar with his work. I mean, I'm sure I am in a subconscious level, but I can't name it off the top of my head. Mm. But, I mean, I, I hate to keep, 
keep harping on the same thing, but it's the only thing I have to go from it because it's, you know, like you said, I, I haven't seen the show. But just the clips that I have seen of it, I mean, it's just... Just because you can rhyme words together doesn't mean that you're a good lyricist. Yeah. And just because you could, just because you can force rhyme the same words with each other, you know, doesn't mean you're a good lyricist. Just because you can copy... If you were a dressmaker and you had a pattern that is the most typical kind of pattern to do um, and you made it in a slightly different fabric. You can't say, oh, I designed this dress completely from scratch. No, you didn't. You just, you know, you you took a product that's already well-known, pretty woman, Mm -hmm. and you just kind of... You insert a level of craft... There's a level of craftsmanship and artistry that's missing. Yeah. I I, I 100% agree. And I don't... I don't want to end this on a super negative note, just because I do. I'm mad now. I mean, <laughs> let's I don't let's care. go the sharp objects route. Don't tell mama. This, this has nothing to do with anything in my life. I don't know why I got so passionate. Well, because I mean, I'm passionate about it because I have I have personally loved musical theater. I've loved theater in general, Broadway, since I was a child. Like it's been it's been the thing that I've always gravitated towards, and I've spent the majority of my life really since sort your of, limp wrists dropped. You know, exactly. Like, <laughs> the first time my testicles never descended my wrists it was your limp wrist yeah exactly (laughs) i get passionate about this kind of shit because i always have been and it's something that i believe in and uh kitty carlisle hart used to say that like one of the few things that america created culturally speaking was the musical like the american musical Mm -hmm. it's one of the few cultural things that we can claim ownership of that and jazz and not everything has to move the musical forward or expand it, but I love Legally Blonde. Yeah, but like Legally Blonde even is writers who like know how a musical works. Um, If there are moments of Legally Blonde that I think do kind of lean into, oh, we got to give the audience a little bit of what they want. There are other moments where I'm like, no, they actually worked really hard. Like Lord knows I love the bend and snap number. It's just so catchy. It has no actual reason to be there other than it's known from the movie but Mm -hmm. the chip on my shoulder sequence from legally blonde is like fantastic musical theater writing it is a whole musical yeah they through song and through dialogue they they travel through a whole semester uh of law school and show a progression for l i'm like that is that is a rogers and hammerstein musical sequence right there and it's great um yeah i guarantee you there's nothing like that in pretty woman um And there was nothing like that in Finding Neverland, which I'll always bring up to drag through the mud again because that was that was the. <laughs> you did ang- not care for it. I mean, that was the angriest I think I've ever been in a theater because that was a show where it was very evident that nobody on that creative team thought about how to actually make it a musical uh, or why it needed to be a musical. They just said, "What a great idea! Let's throw in a bunch of random songs and give the audience all the hot things." So people in corsets singing pop songs so you think you can dance choreography um literally a set that looked like a pinterest board uh it's i mean there's no there's no like clarity to something like that there's no vision there's no directive um so, I need to know who from the Finding Neverland creative team hurt your family. I need to know. Guess you never can tell. With little Miss Woods, comma, Side note, linking into this tangent, uh, I interviewed a gentleman last week named Harvey Evans. Harvey Evans uh, has been on Broadway since he was 16 in like the early 50s. Same. And I mean, dreams, literally dreams. Like booked work with Gwen Verdon in New Girl in Town and then literally worked on Broadway up until the early 2000s um, as a dancer, as a singer, as an actor, has done movies, TV movies, uh, like has has worked with everybody, absolutely everybody. Mm. That's amazing. He was, he was in the original. He was in the original Follies. He was the original young buddy in Follies. He was a jet in West Side Story. He did. Uh, when Gypsy, you're a jet, you're a jet all the way too. From your from your first pirouette to your last grand jeté. <gasps> oh, he, that's cute. I, I can't, I can't take ownership of the lyric. Somebody else wrote that. But uh, Bye. he was saying like with Follies, every the reason why that production was so uh, made such an impression is because everybody working on it 
uh, had deep roots in the theater, had like really spent their entire lives dedicated to the theater, and at that point had really sort of reached the top of their of their talents. Mm. And I can't rightfully say that we have a slew of uh, creatives right now, at least on the on the up and coming side, that are are in that same pool. We have people. We have some. We have some people who's really spent their whole life in the theater but can't really reach the peak of their talents because producers and directors won't take a chance on younger writers they instead go to brian adams to write pretty woman uh or we have people uh who are you know maybe at the height of their powers but don't have a deep root in the deep roots in the theater um like brian adams uh or the finding neverland writing staff uh every okay Every time I'm creating a drinking game now, every time from the rest of this series on, no matter if we do two more episodes, a thousand more episodes, every time Matt says an angry comment on about Finding Neverland, Neverland. take a shot. I don't care if it's 11 a.m. I don't care what time it is. Take a shot of something, something weird to Bailey's. Take a shot of Bailey's. I just like, I also want to do, I want to do a running joke of um, like anytime something's just like really cluttered in a disaster, like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like whiskey at 11 a.m. and cluttered papers and dirty laundry and rats in the corner. What is this? The writer's room for Finding Neverland? I just want something like that. Uh, I, the, pro- the production table for Finding Neverland. Just finish what you were saying. I don't even know anymore. I don't remember. No, I'm saying. <laughs> but Harvey, Harvey saying that, as I said, sort of made me realize that. We have a lot of very talented people working on Broadway right now, oh, yeah. especially on the creative side. But with that, I'm, I do not want anyone to think that Broadway and, and the musical is dead. We have some amazing writers. I could list you off a bunch. I could list you off amazing directors too. Yeah. Um, this season is just this season and the sec the second half of this past season has just made me sad because we either are incorporating very talented people who know nothing about theater for the gimmick of saying, oh, we have a score by such and such, a script by such and such, or we're taking directors and choreographers and applying them to projects where they can't actually use their knowledge because they have to literally translate a film to stage. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that makes me sad. Uh so I'm hoping that we're just in a little bit of a lull. I will say, I said, I've said it in a previous episode, and I'll say it again. I'm very excited for Tootsie because that is a right. property that I think could make a good musical. They do have people who understand theater working on that. David Yazbek writing the score and uh, Scott Ellis doing the direction. So, like, that makes me very excited. Um, and we'll see. Uh, I think I'm, I'm not one to begrudge a work because of its... A, uh, source material. I think anything. finding Neverland. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm, Nothing. What? <laughs> Nothing. Her? Never heard. I, I don't know her. Uh, I don't begrudge anything based off its source material. Anything could technically co- make a good musical from anything. You know, who would have thought that we'd have a rock musical based off of Jesus's last week? Not I. But same. Yeah. Yeah, and it's some. The proof is in the pudding. When you see it on stage, you gotta look at the pudding and you gotta say. Is this pudding even decent? Is this store-bought pudding or is this homemade pudding? Not mean? I do. I do know what you mean. I, honestly, I, I had no idea what you were talking about until you used a pudding metaphor, and then I was right with you. Men- that's that's why I did it. Men- I could feel you moving away, yeah. and I was like, gotta bring him back. Bring in some stupid-ass food like pudding. Um, pudding is not stupid. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we just had a ton of opinions about something we haven't even seen, and... I know. Some of you might hate it. Some of you might love it. Some of you might be indifferent about it. But yeah, I can promise one thing. We'll all die in the end. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we all are going to die and I've been think- eventually. To, to kind of like bookend this, I've been thinking about throwing myself my own funeral while I'm alive. I know that's like such a sitcom-y 80s thing to do. It's, I'm, I'm pretty I sure. I mean, you stole that from Tom Sawyer. I, no, well, stole, stole from Tom Sawyer and from... Uh, from a Golden Girls episode. But I've been thinking about it, and I, I really think next year on my birthday, instead of celebrating my birth, I might have an actual funeral. Because, like, wouldn't it be... Oh, like Katya did. Yeah. Wouldn't it just be really cool just to know what everyone would want to say about you once you're dead? 
Oh my god, absolutely. I can't wait to give a eulogy. Yeah, that's the thing. I want to hear people's eulogies. I'm so sad that one day I won't be able to hear people's eulogies. So maybe every decade I'll hold my, a funeral for myself. Just in case. Absolutely. Just to be in the room um, where it happened, but didn't happen for me. I'll be dead. And see, I I never got to have a sweet 16. So I would like to have my next birthday ride in on an elephant or a panther. And then have everyone just shower me with compliments. Uh so we'll bookend it. I'll have the yes. the really like big party. You'll have the funeral, and then the following year, I'll have the funeral. You'll have the big elephant party. Yeah, I've always said, anyways, that I probably want to be taxidermied when I'm dead. So it'll be mm-hmm. great because it'll already give everyone like a little bit of um, a preview, um, a little <laughs> spoiler alert um, of what to expect my actual funeral. Because I'll just be kind of like being mounted on the side of the stage i imagine it'll happen on a stage somewhere that my funeral yeah i'm um, probably at like hardware bar <laughs> oh my god that's, and i'll just be i'll just that's all you deserve be, I, it's all i deserve and i'll just be frozen on the side as if i'm a bear um and uh, yeah the only time in your life you'll ever be described as a bear I, truly <laughs> well, oh my well, I, oh my everybody well i feel like we've fixed everything um today yeah, I socially think... <laughs> Theatrically. Yeah, exactly. We're anally. Oh mm, no, nothing will ever get fixed there. (sighs) On that note, (laughs) R.I.P. My soul, along with a bunch of theater greats this week. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rip. Rip. Rip and Neil Simon. Thanks for everything you did. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara Harris. Uh. (sighs) Craig Zayden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, there was someone else this week I want to say, didn't we? I feel like there was another person, and I'm going to feel really terrible if we forget. I mean, if we forget, they'll still be dead in the next episode. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Silver lining. Christ. You know? <laughs> Silver lining, everybody. Oh, RIP to Survival of Carousel. They will be closing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen it, and I know your opinions on it, and I know a lot of other people's opinions it. on it, and so I've been tempted to buy a ticket, but I still haven't mm-hmm. made the leap. Um, yeah. So I, don't, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll catch it. Maybe I that won't. Is the, that is the danger of the internet, is that everyone listens to our, uh, our episode, where I discussed Carousel, and ticket sales just dropped immediately. Truly. And you, are, I, you are single-handedly responsible for this revival closing. Yep, and then our following episode where I discussed Sally Murphy, everyone was like, "Well, she's not going to be Julie Jordan. Why am I going to bother?" I'm like, "I know." Uh, so that's all to say, I'm very much looking forward to all the projects that this cast is going to get up to next. It's such I am a as talented well. cast. They're gonna. Yeah. There, I have no. I'm not going to lose a you know a wink of sleep as, over Jesse Mueller. You know, like yeah, or Joshua Henry, Lindsay Mendez, or anyone even in that ensemble. They're also talented. They're going to get work immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Let's let's end this on a positive note. Uh, John, happy thought for the week for everybody out there. You know, um, coffee is wonderful and our vices are wonderful, but you yourself are just enough too. You know, like don't underestimate yeah. the power of not leaning on your crutches because you don't really need your crutches all the time. That's what I've learned the last four weeks, and I really am standing by that. You know, good, and I love that. So if that yeah. makes sense to any of you in any way possible, kudos. If not, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, my positive thought for the week is, yes, Pretty Woman and getting the band back together might be on Broadway right now, but Finding Neverland is not. So take comfort in that. And take a shot. <laughs> and take a shot right now. Take a shot of Bailey's um, or horchata, mm, a nice milky liqueur. <laughs> you um, have to take a shot of a milky liqueur every time you mention Finding Neverland. Milky. That's... Milky liqueur. I feel like that should be a drag name. Oh my gosh. Hi everybody, I'm Milky liqueur. Milky liqueur is my favorite character in Spring Awakening. On that note, thank you so much for listening, everyone. <laughs> thank you, everybody. I'm done. We gotta end this shit. Um, I think we should end this week's diva with Barbara Harris. Um, I think that's beautiful. I think that's yeah, great. I would do Neil Simon, but there's no audio of him singing, so we'll do Barbara Harris. Brilliant. I support that. Yes. Fantastic. All right. Have a good day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. May the Lord Bye. open. Goodbye. <laughs> May the Lord May the Lord open and keep you open. Oh honey. Take us away, Barbara. Bye. Oh honey.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.